listening to the Cars of Carlisle podcast, episode 26, our interview with Bob Nauman. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Each week, Darren and Holly bring you topics from car shows to racing to personal stories about local car nuts. This week, Darren and Holly bring you the rest of the story, the second part of their interview with Don Peroni and his business partner, Bob Nauman. Bob really enjoys the horseless carriage era, so he's working on a 1910 International and his own personal 1907 Franklin. Listen in for all the details about these two vehicles, and let's get revved up! Breaker, breaker, tubers, this is Darren, come back. This is Holly coming at ya. How <laughs> are Welcome to episode 26. <laughs> we are so glad to have you back again this week. We are, as Holly said, so excited to share with you the other half of the loaded content we had when we were in Dillsburg a few weeks back. We met with uh, Mr. Bronco, Don Peroni, and then Bob Nauman. This week, we're dedicating it to Bob Nauman, so there's a lot to hear. We learned so much because typically we have been around cars ranging from the 20s through the 40s, 50s, and, and of course newer, but to see these cars from the aught years and the tens, it's pretty amazing. Well, yeah, because as you explained to me, the Model T is the first car, right? Well, one, On of, wheels. one of the most mass, or first mass-produced mass cars. Mass-produced cars, mm-hmm. right. So to me, that's always been my marker of the first vehicle. So to hear 1907 was sort of like, what? Right, Does right. that exist? And I love the part where... Bob talks about when they call AAA, well, you'll get into that. Yeah, that uh, he'll was... get into that. You'll get a chance to hear that here in a little bit. But uh, that was really entertaining to me. It was, for sure. But now I'm excited to have you here. Uh, before we get into the show itself, wanted to say that the Fall Carlisle auction was well, well received, well attended. We did, in fact, have our setup there in the, the lobby. And with that... Uh, with cookies. Yes. We had the goodies, we as did, promised. As promised. Thanks. <laughs> Shout out to Scott on that. But uh, for the most part, um, wanted to thank everyone who did participate. We had a box for people to put their business cards into, and they signed uh, uh, a sign-up sheet. And with that, they had registered for a chance to win a, a custom Cars of Carlisle t-shirt. We did have a winner. We did a drawing this past week. And a big shout-out to Joseph G., he actually is the owner of JTG Trucking, based out of Quakertown, Pennsylvania. But he was our, our winner, and I reached out to him by phone and, and emailed him the updates. And he's getting his Cars of Carlisle t-shirt. In fact, I think he got it supposed to, per Amazon, it delivered like 8 o'clock last night. So he now has that. Awesome. So congrats to Joseph on that. Uh, for those that did participate, we're going to actually be emailing you later this afternoon. You'll be rolled into a... Basically a consolation prize, right, Holly? Yeah, a whole new drawing. Right. So um, want to thank those that did participate. Yeah, it was really great. So we're just asking everybody to subscribe, and uh, and then we'll see who wins from that pool. And so. if you're interested in getting a Cars of Carlisle t-shirt, check out the website, carsofcarlisle.com. We have a merchandise section there. Or just email us. Just simply carsofcarlisle at outlook.com. We'll, we'll put you in touch with uh, some, some good... Uh, Threads. Apparel. Yeah, threads. I like it. I like it. Well, Holly, did you have anything to share with our Cuber family before we get into today's interview? No, I think I'm just excited to get started. Then let's do it. Great. Off we go. Two vehicles that I'm going to show you out there. The Broncos, uh, Bob and I did. Uh, 
they never came down the uh, no. the assembly line looking that well no. with that kind of paint job no. and so forth. No, 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 no. So yeah, there is a certain amount of, of falseness in sure. uh, in the restoration. Although, uh, you know, to to speak in favor of the people who restore, it's really nice to be able to show off your skills and your your ability to create something of beauty or of museum quality. Of and not only that, I mean, in today's competitive judging, when you go to the top level meets, like in a couple of weeks, the big fall show at Hershey. Yes. If you come down on Saturday and look at the show field, you look at the cars who are really top level competitors, if you want to compete on the national scene, and Don will back me up on this, unfortunately, if you had found a 1903 Cadillac, if you got one brand new, and the old joke, you know, hermetically sealed it in a mayonnaise jar on fucking Michael's porch, right. you know, and brought it out today, it really wouldn't compete right. with a new restoration. Wow. It just wouldn't. It's unfortunate. Um, but that's what the judging standards have come to. Well, and I, I, I'm friends with Lance Miller, and he says all the time that when you get it down to two or three cars, and as a as a ju master judge and director, mm -hmm. so it's finding a, a rock in the tread of a tire. Oh, it's immediately. Oh, some cars, yeah. and, I, and I'll tell you what. And Donald, that Don's had Model A, so have I. Model A Ford guys, even though they're one of the most common cars out there, there's nothing rare about a Model A Ford. Uh, there's an old saying, you know, it's like something everybody has one. Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> right. But these guys. <laughs> have got the research on them down to such a fine act that they even know which direction the cotter pin went in. Did it go from the top down, the bottom up, from the back forward? Or and from how the, many threads on the head bolts need to be exposed? Need to be exposed. Oh, yeah. And I have judged um, on at national meets, and I have, a couple times I've got assigned to the Model A class. I don't really enjoy it, but they need somebody, you know. And I've actually had these, these guys, they'll, they'll narc on their best buddy. I've had them come up to me and say, hey, when you get to that blue 31 Roadster down there, check out these, the uh, kingpins. Uh, you'll see that the nut isn't on right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. There are two groups in the Ruthless. Oh, yeah. But there's there's a whole bunch of Model A clubs out there, but there are two. One Math. is called MAFCA, Model A Forge Club of America, and MARC, M-A-R-C, Model A Restorers Club. And these guys oh, are... In fact, that's why I sold my Model A. I went to I went to one of the, I went to a meet there, and I'm looking at the Model As, and I'm seeing all this going on, and I thought this is not the car I want to restore. Oh, and I mean, like they'll take the engine block, okay, and once it's all machined and everything, before they do the final assembly, they will glaze every casting mark and pit out of it, and it will look just like the body. Oh. Oh yeah, I've done them. Yeah. For wow. customers, I know what has to be done if you want to compete at that level. Yeah. You know. You know, that's fine if that's what you want to do. Right. right. But, you know, and I'll do it for a customer. If they want to pay $50 an hour, I'll sit there and do it. Don seen me do it. <laughs> you know. Um, but for me personally, it just isn't my thing. Right. You know, I've got a 1907 Franklin back there. It's the only one complete authentic car on the road running in the world. Well, right now it's not running because we're having to put new fan drive gears in it. But the only uh, one. 
It's the only complete, there's two other ones. One is a basket case, could be restored, but it needs everything. Uh -huh. The other one is a pretty car, but it's got a later model Franklin motor in it and a later model uh, uh, rear axle under it and some other stuff done to it. It's a pretty car, but it's not authentic. Uh, a few years back, Don and his wife and me and my wife jumped in my 7 Franklin. We totally trailered it down to Kentucky. We spent a week driving it all over Kentucky Louisville. and Indiana and, you know. Visit all the distilleries. Oh, yeah, we enjoyed <laughs> that. Got stopped by the police for going too slow. Oh, my God. Well, they, <laughs> they really wanted to see the car. Yeah, right? well, have you ever been stopped by, by a cop? And not ask to see your driver's license, your insurance, or your registration. Can't say that. All he wanted me to do was raise the hood. Oh, that's cool. We were that's doing about 40, 45, and that's fine. But for a short period of time, they ducted us out onto a highway. And that wasn't keeping up with the minimum speed. Yeah, right so he, and there was some traffic behind us. But I, I know he just wanted to see the vehicle. So that's cool. Because he never asked for anything. and just yeah. said, have a good time, guys. guys. Yeah, see you later. Cool. Thanks that's for coming. Awesome. Didn't give you an escort or anything. Like no, that. no, 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 no. <laughs> But, you know, but I'm like, glad to see you guys out enjoying it. But that car, in fact, my car still has most of its original upholstery in it. And it doesn't look all shiny like a show car. Uh, in fact, and I have some guys in the Franklin Club who really are uncomfortable and have voiced it to me about me taking that car out and putting it on the road. It's so rare and it's so historically significant, you know, and whatever. I said, well, if the next guy wants to park it in his garage under a dust sheet or put it in a museum... That's fine. I've only got so many years left to go. We're going to enjoy well, it. You know, the truth of the matter is, you don't own these things. Mm -mm. You just get to take care of them for a while and then pass you're, them on. Like you're the you're a custodian. To somebody else. You That's know. a really yeah. smart Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're really just a custodian of these things. Yeah. So Bob is interested in the real early stuff. This is the 07 Franklin. This is the one that we did all the touring in. Uh, it's a little ill right now. You want to tell them what happened? Well, we were out driving, and all of a sudden, this terrible noise emanated from under the hood. Well, this is air-cooled, as you can see. Mm -hmm. It has a front fan that sucks air in the front of the hood and blows it down, and then it also has fan blades in the flywheel, which suck air through. Okay. The front fan is driven off the crankshaft through a series of helical gears that drive a vertical shaft, and a box on top of that with another set of gears it bolts onto here and drives another horizontal shaft, which turns the fan. Okay. Well, long story short, the guy who had the car before me, for whatever reason, I do not know, decided that the original straight-cut gears, spur gears. spur gears, were a little noisy for his taste. So he made a set of helical gears and put them in. The problem that he didn't count on was, number one, when you go to helical gears, the pressure faces, there's a lot more pressure involved. That means instead of just driving straight, they're pushing against each other. It tore, when it, this tube that the shaft didn't runs have on, proper thrust bearings, bearings in it, it tore the bottom bushing out of the vertical tube, which allowed the shaft to get out of alignment, which tore up the gears, both top and bottom, and just made a mel of a hess out of everything. <laughs> well, since the last Franklin dealer went out of business in 34, there's no place to go buy new ones. Right. So, um, and this actually happened a few years back, but the last three years we were involved with my parents. Um, we just lost my dad in May of this year. He was 94. 
Sorry. And uh, it was, we built an addition onto our home, moved them in here with us. And Don will tell you, the last three years weren't yeah, real Bob fun. Yeah, Bob hasn't had a lot of time. To play in, fact, the, in fact, the car show he begged me to go to on Saturday was the first car show I've been to in three years. Wow. I just, and I always do that shows and tours. Mm -hmm. So anyway, bottom line, we finally, when Dad left, I decided, okay, it's time to get the Franklin out and get this thing fixed and back on the road. So I tore everything apart, sent it up to a business in Michigan that specialize in reproducing gears, shafts, anything. Okay. Um, for for very for early cars. very early cars. Mm -hmm. uh, you're only talking a gear on the crankshaft and one gear on the bottom of the vertical shaft and another gear on the top. Set of Three gears. gears. So yeah, set of bevels. Three gears. Okay. And that's twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. This is not a cheap car. No. Um, but it's worth it. Um, the nice thing about this car is, for all intents and purposes, it's really an unrestored car. Um, the leather you see in it, with the exception of the seat cushions, the cushions themselves that you sit on, that's all the original leather. Oh yeah, for 1907, that ain't too dang bad. Wow. Um, the car has never really been quote-unquote restored. The fellow, I'm the third owner. The fellow I got it from, a very interesting guy, um, lived up in Massachusetts. He bought it from the estate of the original owner, and his name was Franklin Cook, hence his wanting the Franklin. Mm -hmm. This guy was a genius. Stanley Steamers, early Rolls Royces, he could make them sing. He never could get this car to run right. He could get it to start, but he never could get it to run. Mm -hmm. But he was a genius. In fact, if you remember a little thing NASA did called the Hubble Telescope, oh, yeah. remember when they first put it up, it didn't work? Yeah. After all of that, Frank finally figured out why it didn't work, and he redesigned the lenses to make it work. That's incredible. Yeah. So anyway, when he passed away, I, I had known of the car for 25, maybe 30 years. Used to visit him, sat in his basement. He'd never get it out. So anyway, when I got the car... All of the original paint had been stripped off of it. You remember, Don, it was in bare aluminum. Yeah. The whole body yeah. in this car is aluminum. The frame rails are wood. Oh my God. Yeah, the transmission's aluminum, the rear axle's aluminum, the crankcase is aluminum. At the time this car was built, the Franklin Automobile Company was the largest consumer of aluminum in the United States. Um, so it, it was not a cheap car. Uh, the car, when you bought the car, you got the car. Everything else was extra. Lamps were extra, speedometer was extra, top was extra, everything. The basic car cost $3,000 in 1907. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Which put it out of the realm of the normal working car. Oh, yeah. It's an expensive sure. automobile. Sure. But, uh, like I said, so I got the car, and we got it home, and after a few months of just playing around and whatever, we solved most of its problems. And for, what, four or five years, we drove the wheels off of it. Yeah. You know. We'd take it out for lunch with it. That's oh, his awesome. grandkids would hop in the oh, back. My, my, my grandkids grew up with this. They loved yeah. They loved mm -hmm. it. Yeah, they used mm -hmm. that at far, you know, Farmer's Fair is. Oh, yeah. Oh, they oh, always yeah. wanted to ride in at the Farmer's Fair parade mm -hmm. and stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we drove it. It's not that it's... But what all I did was, when I got it back, I didn't want to make it a show car. So you notice none of the brass is polished. It's that way for a reason. Mm -hmm. I'm not turning into that. The whole idea was, what would it look like if it about... 1915, let's say, they pushed it into a carriage house mm -hmm. and let it sit, and you found it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the, when I painted it, 
Uh, I didn't paint it normally. If you look, the paint sort of has a crackled effect mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. That's what the old varnish paint would have looked like okay. after all these years. Sure. So that, and I did it that way intentionally, you know. And it's dusty and dirty and no, filthy and, fine. you know. I've driven it through streams and, you know. Do they make uh, repro tires? Like to, to the tires, yes. Okay. Virtually any other part on this car, there is nothing made for yeah, this it car today. didn't have a speedometer on it when Bob got it. It had no he lights was, on it. I had to find all of them, and they are the correct units for the car. What's this? So what we had to Squeeze do it. when Bob got the speedometer... Carter! That's your horn. Wow. That's so cool. And so what we had to do is we had to make all these gears. So I have a machine shop, and we, we cut those gears, and we made the gears so that the speedometer will run okay. correctly. Yeah, that drives the speed of it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you see, there's this, there's this cable housing. Okay. Yep. Now, one thing in the original cable inside it was actually little chain links that went together this way. From that drive here, it went up that brass housing, and then there were ends like on the chain. Yeah, okay. Sort of, yeah. Uh -huh. Well, Don and I both realized the problems attendant with that. So what we did was we modified it and put a modern spiral speedometer cable inside it. You can't see it, no. but it works great. Oh, I'm sure it's you accurate, know. too. Uh, yeah, it's, it's surprisingly accurate. It's been, well, no, when I got when I find a friend of mine, Don said about friends. Mm -hmm. I've been looking for that speedometer. A friend of mine up in Connecticut called me one day, Dick Burnham. Mm -hmm. Dick said, do you ever find that speedometer? I said, no. He said, well, I've got one in my hand. This was like on a Sunday. I said, what do you mean you got it in your hand? He said, I'm out here at this antique shop. I found one in a case. I'm standing here holding it in my hand. Do you want it? I said, well, how is it? He said, it's really nice. He said, do you want it? And I said, well, hell yeah, of course I want it. Then I thought, how much is it? <laughs> yeah, you know, right. It Wait was, a minute. Yeah. I think it was like seven or 800 bucks. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't yeah. cheap. But yeah. I said, yeah. And so he brought it along down with him to Hershey a, a month after that. And that was one of our winter projects, putting all the speedometer stuff together. I was very lucky that one friend found me the speedometer. We made the cable and housing. And another friend found me this, this drive here, mm -hmm. this angle drive. Yeah. Um, I actually found it. A friend of mine out in Bakersfield, California, I was out there to a horse's carriage event. We went over to his house when we were out in his, in his shop messing around, just like we are here tonight. And I'm looking through some stuff and... There was a drawer, and I looked in it, and there's that drive, and it's the right one. I said, Bruce, what are you putting this on? He said, nothing. I just got it in a batch of parts. I said, well, what do you want for it? He said, well, what do you need it for? I said, I need it because he knows I restore for other people. Yeah. I said, I need it for my 7 Franklin. You know? He said, oh, it's for your car. I said, yeah. I said, what do you want for it? He came over, looked, and he says, here. Wow. Oh, Take that's it. awesome. Well, you know, that, that's that, that's really kind of the way the community operates. Bob and I have a, a, a pact, or uh, at least an understanding. We never really talked about it. it just right, it just kind of happens. But basically, if it's something for, a per, for our personal car, there's no charge. Uh, Bob never charged me a penny for those paint jobs. Uh, when Bob needs machine work done on this, he, he comes over to my shop... <coughs> And we make, we make the part that we need. Uh, it didn't have, when he got it, it didn't have this brass, well, you don't have the brass plate on the front there. Uh, it's but there's a real fancy brass plate. I don't know where it is right now. There's, a, there's a fancy brass plate that uh, goes on the front there. This goes underneath. 
And you, you see the raw brass here? Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't want polished brass. There is a way to chemically etch brass to turn it the old brown that an unpolished piece of brass, and that's what we've done on every piece yeah. of brass in the garden. Nice. But this sits Aww. there. Mm -hmm. Like a little apron. Stay. And when the hood comes down, it's slightly rounded gotcha. to that. So, but it was missing. Yeah. It was just not there when I got so the So you had to machine it. to some brass and we, uh, wow. I had to make a, I had to make a special tool so that we could put this. I was going to say, uh, how'd you do the crimp? Well, that, that's, that's it's, done, it's uh, that's roll. done with a rotary, uh, a, a rotary machine, but I had to make a special dot. To, to get, get the that, right to get that right width and that right height on that. Uh, see, on that piece. That, see, I actually got the dimensions and specs off of the unrestored car that's out in Minnesota that still mm. had it on it. You know, so then we were able to make that. Same thing. I was missing what's called the rope rail. That's this piece here. It was just totally missing. And when you're in the winter, you have these big, heavy horse lap robes. Yes, they, they're very nice and warm. But this was missing. So I got a friend of mine to, and the guy that owns the car is a friend also. And uh, but uh, so anyway, I got my buddy Tom, who's a friend of Jeff's, to go over to Jeff's house out in his barn where this unrestored car is. <clears throat> and he took the one off from Jeff's, sent the pieces over to a foundry, had me a set cast, and then sent them in to me. And I finished the castings, and we bored them and drilled them up at Don's shop and made that. That's it's, so cool. You know, that's the kind of stuff you have to do. I'll, I'll give you I, I, just how anal we are about this. Franklin, unlike a lot of early car manufacturers, a lot of early car manufacturers basically assembled cars. And there was a big trade of companies who made parts. There were companies that made axles, companies that made bodies, companies that made wheels, companies that made ignition components, magnetos, coils, whatever. Franklin was a very, very low-volume producer up in Syracuse, New York, and they built virtually everything in-house. So they're just, they only made 200 of these to begin with. That's why there are no parts. Mm -hmm. They even made their own nuts and bolts. And as Don will tell you, there were no standards. So none we, of the hardware on this car... Actually, in one case, having to make a tap. Because there was, it was not a national standard. Wow. You know, like, you go to the hardware store to buy bullets. Do you want fine thread or coarse thread? Right. Well, that's okay, but there's standards. You know, a quarter inch has certain threads. Mm -hmm. Well, on this car, none of those standards apply. So if you need a bolt or a nut... You make it. You make it. Wow. I mean, that's how bad it is when wow. you're dealing with something like this, you know. And you just don't find parts. The only part, other than the lamps, uh, I, have, I was very lucky and found, you know, all the lights. Even here's the headlights. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's, they would actually refer to it as a lantern, right? Or no, that was a headlamp. They call it a headlamp. Yeah. It was a headlamp. They were acetylene. They, they okay. operate on acetylene. Acetylene. Gotcha. The side lights and tail light operate on kerosene like a lantern. Okay. Now, does the center one pivot with the steering wheel? Or no, it does, it's okay. not connected to the steering wheel, but okay. it does pivot. I see. With the and handle it, there, you can... Yeah, you can pivot it okay. up and down and left, right. Mm -hmm. But the only actual part to this car I have ever found a year after I bought it, a buddy of mine and I flew out to Chickasha, Oklahoma. There is a horseless carriage club swap meet held every year in Chickasha, Oklahoma. It's in the middle of nowhere out in the prairie. 
and it's got a county fairgrounds there, and mm -hmm. they've hosted saying people come from all over the world. Wow! Just for this, and it's for when we say horseless carriage, we mean 1915 and earlier. Okay. We got in a day early, and a lot of people that arrive early, they there's a big gravel parking area across the road. It's actually on the Union Pacific Railroad property. But they park their trailer rigs and stuff and leave them there overnight till the next morning when the fairgrounds opens. So we have the pre-Chickasha swap meet. We all race over there. We start looking through everybody's trailers because you want to see what everything's there. So Greg and I are wandering around looking and talking. Yeah, you do. And I walk past this open trailer, and it's got the remains of a 1913 Cadillac on it, which was, that's neat, but ho-hum. But I look underneath it. It's an open car trip. What? Look a little closer. So the heck with this. Off comes the coat, the backpack, and I dive underneath the car. Greg looks at, what are you doing? I said, just hang on. I, there's this transmission under there. So I pull it all out. It's the transmission for this car. Oh, my goodness. So, and I knew the guy whose truck and trailer it was. Mm -hmm. So I took the transmission and I put it in the trunk of our rental car. <laughs> So that evening, we're all over at the headquarters hotel, and I see Sully, and I said, hey, I said, that transmission that's underneath the trailer, underneath the caddy on your car, I said, what's it out of? Because it doesn't say Franklin on it. I don't know, but he said, I know you've got it. <laughs> that's how the word runs. I said, yeah. He said, well, then it's got to be, because I was also into early single-solar Cadillacs. He said, well, I know it's not Cadillac. What else you got back at the shop? I said, well, how much do you want for it? Mm -hmm. And we dickered around. He said, okay. He said, 200 bucks, but you got to tell me what it fits. Wow. I got 200 bucks out of my wallet so fast and threw them in. I said, it's 1907 Franklin, but only Model D. Whoa. The, they made a smaller car called a Model G. It's a little car, and it's got a much smaller transmission. Oh, my word. And I couldn't believe. And it's the only part I've ever found for this car That's that, so you know, is neat. for the Franklin. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think there is another part out there for it. Well, But that's the way things work in this hobby. It's wow. just goofy. Would you mind sharing just a little bit about the operations? Like what's involved yeah. with um, it? It is different. As I said, it's air-cooled. So when you put it in together and you set it up, it, it's all different. Clearances and the way it's done. But... But as far as just how it operates and drives, um, are you familiar with Model T's at all? Yes. Okay. My uncle had one. Okay. The ignition system is very much like a T. There's okay. a timer on the front end, runs off the camshaft. Mm -hmm. um, this, I can reach over to the other side. There's your coil box. Yep. Okay. Uh, battery in here. Wait, what's that? This is the coil box. There's coils one that provide the spark to the for the spark plugs, okay. and there's one coil for each cylinder. So, oh, okay. and the timer in in proper timing ratio fires each coil individually, which fires the spark plugs. Um, so it's just an on and off switch. Um, this is the gas shut off here. Okay. Okay. Um, this is your mixture adjustment. There is no choke. They didn't have such a thing back then. So what this does is just drives through that angle drive. It drives a needle down into the float bulb, okay. into the and as you turn lean, it, rich, different right as you turn it out and open it, it's richer. So you start about two and a half turns open. Okay. As it, once it starts and warms, you just keep turning it down until mm -hmm. 
You find a place that's happy. Till it purrs. Till it purrs, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you have no four throttle uh, accelerator. Mm-hmm. You have... This is the thro- this is the carburetor throttle, mm-hmm. and this adjusts your advanced retard. Okay. Okay. So as you're driving down the road, you're constantly messing with this and your spark and your throttle. It's like a steam locomotive. In the well, you need about four or five more hands. Yeah. Um, it this is a brake. This is your foot brake. It operates a little differently. On the output shaft of the transmission, where the drive shaft is normally hooked up, there is a drive shaft. But on the output shaft of the transmission, there's a drum about that big around and about that wide. That's your foot brake. This is your hand brake. It operates bands on drums back at the rear wheel just like a modern, you know, regular car. Um, so forward is disengaged or forward is engaged? Forward is brake off. Okay. Back is gotcha. brake on. Um, this is your shift lever. It is a three-speed forward, one reverse transmission but it is not what you know as a standard selective shift transmission. Um, the way this works is you must go through gears sequentially. You can't downshift from third to first. Okay. okay, so all the way back is reverse. The first notch is first. Okay. Okay. Then that's neutral. So it's only a motorcycle. That's second, and that's high. Okay. When you downshift, you got to go three, two, one. One. You can't go from third back to first. Oh boy. Uh, oh yeah. no! It will make nice ugly noises at uh-huh. you. It's very uh-huh. unhappy when you do things like that. Okay. But uh, anyway, and the the upshift from first to second is through the neutral gate, so you got to watch that. Okay. Um, once you get used to it, it really isn't that bad. Um, it's got a really unique clutch. It is uh, sixty-two discs. Alternating steel and bronze running in an oil bath. Oh my word. On a big housing on the back of the flywheel. Wow. Yeah. I'll tell you a really cute story about it. When you we gotta were, tell this. When, <laughs> so we were, uh, when we were down in Louisville, <laughs> of course, it was one of the first outings of the vehicle, and Bob really didn't have any idea what the gas mileage was like. I'll tell you how, just before he gets, how close it was to the first outing. On the on Monday morning, we walked out in the shop, and the bare frame of this car was sitting on two sawhorses in that front bay. Wow. The bare frame. And I mean no motor, no suspension, no axles, no, the bare frame. Okay? The following Friday. Right. We put it in the trailer and left for Louisville. <laughs> How wow. much sleep did you guys get out? Not, not a lot. Not a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. but and anyway. there were times that anybody that I trusted with a wrench in their hand that could get near it was on it. Uh-huh. Wow. So, so anyways, we're done, in, we're done in Louisville, and we take it out for the second day's cruise. And we get right out of the parking lot and into the street, and it dies. Bob says, oh, my God, what could have happened? I said, Bob, check the fuel. He said, oh my, he checks the fuel, it it's was dead. bone dry. But I had no experience with the car to know sure. what my range was. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and, and this hotel was a beautiful hotel, that they was the headquarters hotel. What was it, four miles to the nearest gas station? Yeah. So Bob said, well, what will we do? I said, well, what the hell, I have a AAA card. <laughs> so I called AAA. <laughs> And the girl says, make and model a vehicle? I says, 1907 Franklin. You said 07 Franklin. 07 Franklin. She says, 2007. I said, no, 19... Take off 100 years. She says, oh my, I never had one of those before. (laughs) You probably never will. Again. 
<laughs> Which I think it begs the point, I know you've, you've touched on it already, Bob, but the fact this is the only mechanically driving yeah. 07 Franklin. Mm -hmm. Where do you put the gas? Underneath the seat. Under the, underneath the seat. The driver's seat. So the young man came and he had five gallons of gas. We lifted the seat. We put gas in. We cruised for the rest of the day. That's wow. Insane. Well, we cruised to the gas station first. Well, well yeah, we did cruise to the gas station. It's too close to the right hand drive. Oh, nice. That little. Yeah. And it's just big enough to get a gas knob, modern gas knob. I was going to say, that's like. awfully tight. Yeah, it's tiny. Oh. Neat. Very, very cool. But, uh, but like I said, it's, oh, we had, well, we ran that week pretty much other than running out of gas. We had a good time. We, we had a, we had a really was, great it, trip. It's a blast. It's a blast. And that was the oldest car wife on the tour. Bob's wife, uh, they toured with us. We went, to, what, one day, 147 miles. Just one day. Yeah. Wow. You know, and, there awesome. were, and there were like 192 cars on the tour. Yeah. We were the oldest. And it, it, during that week, it was a, it was a, a week-long event. To celebrate the 75th anniversary of the Anti-Automobile Club of America. So it just happened that during that week, a record heat wave hit Louisville. Two of the days. This is an air-cooled car. Yeah. Everybody said, you can't run in that. You can't run in that. It'll live. I passed a lot of water-cooled cars, cars that were boiling over, boiling man. Over. And we, were, we were cooking down the highway. Nice. It's designed to run yeah. under hotter temperatures than, and as long as... The engine's running and the fans are working. Mm -hmm. It cools. Yeah. Now, granted, if I raise the hood, you're going to feel heat coming off. Oh, sure. But <clears throat> it's it's made to do that. You know. Phenomenal engineering. Oh yeah, absolutely. The other vehicle you see over there is an air-cooled vehicle, also that belongs to a customer. Uh, that's a 1910 International. 1910 and yeah. International made Harvest. trucks and mm -hmm. they made mm -hmm. tractors and mm -hmm. so forth, but they also made cars. They only made that car one year. He took the car to another restoration shop. And it was there for two years. And when the bill went over 100000 and basically nothing was done, he pulled it. And it sat in his barn or his storage building for a couple of years, and then he contacted me. And I told him, I said, yeah, I'll do the car, but we're going to start all over again. I, I'm sorry you spent all that money with another shop that didn't do it right. But we're only going to do it one way, and that's doing it right. We had to rework the front fenders. We had to rework the frame. Um, you know, we had to, we even had to make new, not only the wood spokes in the wheels, but we had to make new rims. They're exact copies of the original, but we had to make them new. They were that bad. You know, the only thing really, till we're done, we have the original motor, we have the original transmission, we have the original rear axle. Original front axle. That's about it. The frame's new, the fenders are new, the wheels are new, the body's the new. The body's all, all new woodwork. Yeah, it's all, yeah. all new. It's but it's exactly copied off of that original. It's yeah. going to be a spectacular car. Oh. The, brass, the brass on it is going to be just... Oh, it's incredible. So how long do you think it'll take you to finish Well, that right one? now, um, we're sort of on hold with it. Well, number one, the engine's uh, the engine's out being done at a shop in Ohio, and he ended up having to make everything for it. Yeah, the exactly. cylinders had to new be pistons, repaired, uh, new pistons, oh boy. new rods, I mean, mm -hmm. everything. It'll be done sometime this winter, and uh, I would say by late in the winter, we'll be back onto it full-time, and there's probably about a year's worth of work left on it. Wow. You know, but... Wow, the craftsmanship you have put It is amazing. what it is. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, we are back in Studio A. I hope you enjoyed hearing all about Bob Nauman. He and Don are both extremely fascinating guys, and we cannot wait to get back over to meet with them at their garage. We asked for that, uh, you heard last week, for a rain check on the ride in the ambulance Bronco, but really cool guys. I, when I reflect back on this this episode and, and listening to this again, for me, Holly, I think it's just good for me at this point in my life to hear from those that are a couple of years ahead of us, if you will, that you need to enjoy life, enjoy cars. They have nearly priceless vehicles, like that Franklin is only one of three and only one of semi-running examples, but that he enjoys it. And uh, they, he along with Don and his wife and uh, Bob and his wife, they've tooled around Tennessee and had a great time. I, it was really cool to hear about the police officer that wanted to see under the hood, to see a little bit about the rolling history and how a car like that's built and, and how it operates. But they're out enjoying it and they're sharing that goodness right. with the world and not keeping it to themselves and not keeping it in some locked uh, cellar uh, Hermetically vault. sealed. Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. not like in a capsule and for no one to enjoy. They're out there having fun with it. And in the end of the day, uh, I think it was Don actually that said that night we were there in Dillsburg that no one really is an owner of their car. And it was a bit philosophical, but I, th- I thought it was great. And that is are more or less custodians and caretakers for a short period of time because life's short and finite and then it'll be off to your heirs or your children or the next person and then they'll have it for a period of time so it it gave me a new uh, perspective yeah I I really enjoyed their wisdom yeah to realize that cars are going to outlive us for sure or they can or should if they're taken care of properly and and yeah the custodian thing was kind of cool absolutely now what about uh, for you you know, I, I really just enjoyed, I think it's funny hearing you say about how they enjoy the cars and stuff like that. It it almost made me a little uncomfortable at first to hear them talk about driving them. And I can see where I'm not even an avid fan yet. And to see how it can make people um, so uncomfortable with the idea of them driving these mm-hmm. cars because they are such mm-hmm. historical pieces of mm-hmm. memorabilia. Sure. And um and I could see where they do get a lot of flack for that. But I also to your point, life is short and enjoy it while you have it. And and that's the whole thing, right? That's their their passion is to take care of these vehicles. So if something happens, they fix it. Right. It's not a big deal, you know. There's not a right or a wrong, but Yes. To the there are those that feel like Driving a vehicle like this is playing darts near a Monet or a Rembrandt. Right, and right. And others, it's, why not? Have, right. It's a car. Enjoy it. So, And I guess I've just only ever f- had the experience of the, you know, uh, hermetically sealed version, right? Where <laughs> right, you're like, sure. oh, I got to protect my investment, you know, but. Well, just like the auction at Carlisle. Remember how we were talking last week about some of these cars that had under 10, 15 miles. Yeah. Total. Yeah. So they literally rolled off the factory they were tested, put on a truck, and have never really been taken for a Sunday ride. So, And it's probably somebody's grandson that's selling it because he doesn't know the value well, of it. <laughs> Sorry. You never know. You never know. <laughs> but no, I, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. We had a lot of fun making this one and 25, which leads us to 27. We're going to be talking with a gentleman who is a proud owner of a 63 Plymouth Fury. So the owner of this 
this fury is Rob Pantaleo. Holly and I will be meeting with him this Friday, and uh, he is going to uh, walk us through all of the, the story of his car. Can't wait to meet with him. So come back for episode 27 for that. Um, been talking to Gary Liu at Man Engineering. We're talking about doing some things to the BRZ in 2019. Gary's getting ready to head to SEMA. SEMA's coming up October 30th. Holly and I are waiting to hear back if uh, we're going to be able to go uh, from a media standpoint. So we're excited about that. So a lot happening. So much to tell you about uh, coming up here in the coming you know, approaching weeks. And you're going to have content galore all throughout the winter months and into uh into 2019. Did you uh, did you mention what you got this week for the Subaru that you're working on? Oh well, the fact that uh, working with Bill Anderson, we are port and polishing the throttle body, and uh, just trying to gain a little more horsepower wherever we can in a better breathing engine. So we're we're starting to tune here and there and having a lot of fun with it. That's awesome. So, Thanks to Man Engineering for providing the the awesome parts that they're providing for us too yes absolutely well i would definitely say um as you always know, before you before you say that i okay. was just gonna say you know one of the things i've thought about a lot since we've started this adventure yeah is how um i always misunderstood and thought that only people that worked on cars are the people that love cars and what an eye-opener it is to me to see the policemen that love cars, mm-hmm. the professional that loves cars, the RV salesman that loves cars. Absolutely. I mean, it's been so cool to see that no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter what your background is, there's chances are you're a car lover or somebody close to you is a car lover. And so this week, I think the challenge that I'd put out to our listener base is... You know, share the Cars of Carlisle experience with three of your friends. Just, you know, you know people that love cars. So just point, tell huh? them about it and and have a place for them to come and celebrate with people that are of like mind and like it. spirit. And I love it. expand the community and continue to do so. Well, that's the operative word. And I'm really glad you said that. That's something that we've been so passionate about since we started this podcast, this business is community. Obviously, this is part of our marketing slogan with car culture, car community. Um, but community is there in the sense that we really want this to be about people. You made a great point. When I was just on the West Coast, the, just everyone from all walks of life is so excited about cars. I'm headed to uh, Latin America here for work. Again, we have listeners through our Argentina and Brazil, what have you. All corners of the earth most everybody is excited about cars. In fact, for episode 27, perfect example, Rob Panaleo just came back from a trip to Havana, Cuba. I'm sure he'll tell us a little bit about that and some of the 50s and uh, mid-century era vehicles that are still up and operational. I think they have, for instance, they might have old uh, Oldsmobiles and Buicks, but they've gutted them and they're running on Kia drivetrains and things like that to keep them on the road. But it's just... It's exciting. Most everybody knows someone. If they aren't a car fan, they know someone who is. So it's that passion. It's that community. We love having you be part of it. So I, I like Collie's call challenge. to action. Yeah, challenge. If you get it uh, three of your car friends, male, female, otherwise, have them look us up. Have them subscribe to the podcast. Well, I have so much gratitude to everyone. With that, I'm going to close for today and say drive well. And be well. Take Take care. care.